Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Todd Westover. We're going to hear Hob. We're going to hear Todd's hobby journey that uh, overlapped with mine in an enjoyable period. Uh, but Todd's moved on to other things, and apparently so have I in one sense. But I am enjoying the podcast, connecting with old friends. So welcome, Todd, and uh, welcome, listeners. Uh, first, let me thank the sponsors for. I don't want to forget that, but uh, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards. Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, and of course, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Todd, you, you probably worked with some of those when you were uh, working for Beckett Publications and, and also Beckett Media and involved in the advertising. But tell us how you even got started in the industry and welcome to the show. Great. Um, well, you know, I think it, thank you for having me on, Dr. Beckett. It's an honor to be here. Um, I, I think I traced back my interest in trading cards to when I was six years old and my grandfather brought me a stack of 73 Tops and he had them opened. And I remember the, the 73 Willie Mays in there, and he said, hey, you want to trade? And from that moment on, I was hooked. Um, it, was, it was pretty neat. Um, and then, you know, more vividly remembering, you know, card core buying as many cards as I can, maybe the 76 sets, the 77s. And um, that's the time when I started going to, to shows with my dad and my grandfather, which was – What, what part of the country was that, Todd? Uh, that was the, the Northeast. And um, I think my first show was – I want to say it might have been 1977 in Greensboro, going to just more of a flea market. But like, do you know a gentleman named Andy Greenhold? I know Chandy. It was a paper chase or what was he? Yep. I, I believe that that's what he was, but that was our yeah, first. Uh, great, great guy. Yeah. I've known him for, since that time, I suppose. I knew him in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Nice great guy. And, and uh, that's when he kind of told my dad and I, Hey, I think you want to go after rookie cards. And I remember buying the, the 67 Seaver and the 67 Carew and, you know, Awesome. Well, you you apparently had. Uh, uh, well, where are those cards? You still have them, or I do. They- I, do. I still have them in my man cave down here. Uh, cool. What? Um, well, what was your uh, career? So you 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 know after school you get a job, and at some point you were right. you came across our radar. But before that, you had some uh, career and experience in in ad sales. I'm right. I um sold advertising in New York for um, NBC, and then another pretty prominent magazine, National Review, um, and. I was just getting back into collecting when I kind of bumped into you guys, um, but I kind of sh- shifted my my interest into more game used. Um, you in know, your, I in your collecting, correct, correct. Um, and I was able to finish out some sets. You know, I, to be able to go get paid to go to a trading card show. Are you kidding me? I finished the my fifty three Bowman set, um, my sixty seven top set. Really, just talking to dealers who were my customers and buying cards from them. So you were still getting into it before. Well, how'd you come across our radar? Because we, we, we perhaps were looking for somebody, you know, our, the challenge we had was finding somebody that was, you know, high integrity, you know, uh, sales motivated, but hobby knowledge, you know, all that good stuff. And that was hard to find. And so, but, but how did we find you or how did you find us back? Uh, there, um, there was a recruiter that called me and really? talked to me about, um, about coming. And when they said it was Beckett, I obviously knew what it was um, and, you know, owned your, First book where, you know, I think your 52 mantle was at $150 listed. That was my Turn back the clock indeed. Yeah. Um, and I had the pleasure of meeting Margaret Steele at a hotel in New York. I guess you guys were in town. It was in December and kind of hit it off and came down to Dallas to, to see if I fit and, and stayed about a good 12 years. Well, you came down to Dallas to see if you fit, but you, you were probably, if not our first, one of our first remote employees. Correct. So you, um, I don't remember that you were ever permanently in Dallas. I don't remember you ever relocating to Dallas. No. You guys had me come down. Actually, I was hired based on, hey, if you want to take a chance, we're going to give you two months down here. And if you if you work out, we'll let you uh, move to Michigan. And kind of if not, it, you know, if you want to take the chance, let's see what happens. And, and I did, you know, um, you guys were great with me. You know, I really, really enjoyed it. 
Well, at some point, uh, I sold a company when you were at not been there that long, I don't think. And then you stayed around for a while, which uh, speaks to your, uh, your, uh, your uh, excellence. But, but uh, were you doing uh, were this? So again, you're, you're going to shows. And, yep. and, and first, I thought you were, I thought you were doing non-hobby in the beginning. In be- I was doing both actually. Less, I'm but less indigenous than the card companies. I thought somebody else had the card companies. Correct. At first, that's that's how it was. Um, you know, I was going after like the video game companies and and things like that, uh, the leagues. Um, so I was able to get to shows and doing maybe some of the auction houses as well. I think, when I recall, were they? Uh, what were the tough nuts to crack? Because I mean, we like you said, we had really good name recognition within people that were into this hobby. But those that weren't, were, did you have any uphill struggles or was it uh, low hanging? I was able to get Mr. Mint to advertise with us. So that was huge. Oh and that took a couple of years. Um, but a lot of the other dealers, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Beckett, they, they really, um, most of them really admired you. And, and um, you know, it was, it was easy to, to talk to people to use your last name. Um, you know, Todd from Beckett Media. Um, they were quite, you know, interested in speaking and seeing some did business with us and some didn't. I didn't really try to be too pushy, but more tactfully persistent with people. Um, and, and it worked out. Well, you know, we had, I, I was wondering, you know, we, we had a certain corporate culture and we were, did, did you feel like some of the corporate culture that we had that was a little bit restrictive? And because we didn't just take on all comers for advertising. We had certain categories that we really didn't want because we thought we had a nice mix of, of men and boys and a few women in there, but, but mainly there's some impressionable youth. So did you feel restricted or did you feel like you had the um, you know, I, I mean, I know I remember Margaret Steele and I talking about, hey, do we even think about taking tobacco advertising because that just doesn't seem like it's a good thing? And we both agreed it probably wasn't. Um, I know after you sold the company, online gambling was pretty big, and the folks that owned the, the company at that time they they were they didn't have a problem with us doing business there. You know, was there uh, you know because uh, again I've, I've always thought about this, and you might have a good perspective on this is that you know in the very early days we had a really small staff and it was. I'm talking like in the eighties and it was mainly me as the visibility of the, of the company. And then in the nineties and in the early two thousands, we had a dedicated team, outstanding people that were out there. And so it obviously wasn't just me, but then you were there before and after when I wasn't even there, you know? So in the two thousands, I was being more of a, of an executive, but I I was out there some, but after 2005, when I sold the company, did, did that change the way you pitch things? Because it was no longer personified in that it was, you know, an individually owned, uh, company it had more of a corporate feel did that happen um i felt like when you owned the company it was more of a family feel if you bought in and took the business as serious as you did there was a you were treated very well um i was you know i really enjoyed it um the the folks i remember listening to your podcast and when you sold the company um the gentleman that that ran it peter goodmanson was just a, he was a great person he really treated people well um and I think he was under some pressures from other people that own the company to try to drive us in the right direction. But he always kept integrity and, and treated people quite, quite decently. Um, so, but it was a little bit different. I was making money for somebody rather than maybe doing something that I was passionate about and, and working with, uh, you, know, you were always so nice to me that I kind of wanted to do a good job, you know? <laughs> I thought it was a two way street. So I wasn't, I wasn't always just nice for the sake of being nice. I mean, I think uh, when you're nice to people generally, that's one way to motivate people. One way is to, is to, is to, like is to yeah. make them afraid for their life or their job. And another is to encourage them and hope they'll, they'll really rise to the occasion. So you did, but so it changed a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, and at the time I was working with, on the entertainment side, they moved me over. So um, Michael Burke moved me over there and I got the chance to work with Doug Hale and we okay. did some amazing things with a, a video game magazine and we we're bringing a lot of money for, for the guys. And it was really based on how well Doug and I worked together. It was, it was great. 
Well, uh, Doug was extremely versatile. And so I think that, and, and he, he actually had some entrepreneurial uh, mindset, I think as well, from being his own boss. He, he worked for other people, but he'd also done some of his own stuff. So pretty unique guy. And, you know, in, in the old, you know, nowadays publishing is not as hot as it was, but the, the difficulty was marrying up the editorial side and the advertising side so that we, you kept the integrity, but you were able to have uh, appropriate relationships with advertisers. It sounded like the fact that y'all clicked, uh, and again, that that was red hot, the, the, the entertainment area back in those yeah. days as well. In fact, you know, when baseball had the strike and dipped a little bit, that was. But uh, now in your game used, are you, I thought you were mainly doing game used jerseys more than jersey cards or relic cards. Correct. Are you doing both? I like, I like- uh, no, I'm more into the game of jerseys, bats, games, gloves, and players from the intact, intact. Right. So, yeah. so once it gets on a card, it's a it's a smidgen, you know, it's just a little tiny piece. Right. But you have your own collection of of jerseys, and Correct. do you make a big deal between uh, player worn or game worn or event worn, or you just how do how do you keep track of that, and is that important to you? Well, basically, I'm more into the older jerseys where traditionally they were only issued two sets of each home and roads. Um, and, and game used of players from the seventies that I, and eighties that I admired as a kid. Um, you know, a lot of Yankees, George Brett, Pete Rose, guys like that. Do you, um, get them authenticated or do you have enough knowledge that you kind of know, or you know, no, I personally have some authenticated. A lot of them come from auctions. Um, others I've done my own research where I know collectors that are super collectors for one team. So for instance, um, you know, there's a guy that knows everything about the Phillies. So I have a Mike Schmidt jersey that I sent to him and he looked at it and said, Hey, this is great, you know, and that's that's enough for me. What uh so uh, when you were out of you know working for our company, you know, in the different regimes, uh were there any surprising yeses or surprising no's when you were selling these ads? I mean, that some of them seem uh, I always thought we had some slam dunks that we never consummated. And then we had some Hail Marys that came through. Where, did you did you have those experiences? Yeah, I think I did. I think I had some um, companies that were like sneakers. I remember Reebok and we got Nike in and we never thought we would. Um, you know, things of that nature where I was like, man, I, I got to chase this. But, you know, I, I I don't know, you know, but I have to at least do my job and, and, and track it down as, as best I can. And, and most of that was kind of like today with the COVID-19. You, you were you were not necessarily sheltered in place, but what percentage of your time was was on the phone in those days and sent emails or trying to yeah. make up? Was it two thirds of your time, three fourths of your time? And I would say you yeah, I track about 25 percent of the time. And I go to big trade shows. I know I remember us going to Orlando to Super Show together, um, Vegas to Super Show. And then you know, I was lucky enough to be able to go to the, the, the card shows as well, which I really enjoyed. So. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's uh, I loved going to Super Show. And when yeah, I've been there, you know, again, I'm not uh, I don't have your um, experience and ability to sell ads. But when I walk in there and I see all these different baseball things, I'm like, wow, you know, we've got an audience of avid fans that, that uh, th- there's gotta be a lot of overlap, but we, it, it, again, it, it's, um, you know, my hat's off to you because you would think that when we had uh, a lot of uh, circulation that it would just be, Hey, here we are. Why don't you get an ad? There really had to be some salesmanship. And I, and I know you brought that to it. And, you know, uh, yeah, one of the things I remember Mike Obert telling me is that I think when you had your largest circulation, you used to put art in the magazine. I remember that, you know, and some of the pieces were in your office. I remember, you know, or the lobby. I remember that Roger Maris uh, painting, which was a, one of my favorites. Um, and I can't imagine the money you turned down then uh, just because of the, the reach that you had uh, with the magazine. 
Well, we, like you said, we're pretty restrictive on our ads. We, we wanted to protect, uh, again, anything that's indigenous or, you know, but, but uh, and again, that's the beauty of, we're almost out of time, but the beauty of me, of our team hiring you is that you could, you understood it. You understood because you were like a, like a reader, like, like a subscriber or a dealer. You, you kind of understood the industry to think, you know, this won't really fit with our magazines. Our readers wouldn't want this because even if somebody's paying you for a page in the magazine, if it's something that's a turnoff or, or not healthy or appropriate, you know, you're, you're short term getting money, but you're, you're, you're not, uh, it's, it's not what the readers want. And so I think you, you, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm glad we, we would have had conflict if you said, Hey, I want to do some, some of this, that, or the other. And it, uh, but, you know, again, putting ourselves in the, in the, uh, the shoes or the, or the seat of the, of the, of the reader of the collector. Uh, I think that was a big part of our success and, and the ads were, you know, thanks for, thanks for your service. Uh, Todd, uh, uh, let's let's do another episode. Uh, but uh, again, thanks, listeners. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Now that I've reconnected with Todd, we'll we'll do an, another episode uh, in the in the coming uh, uh, days or so, dealing with some of the so, some more advertising stories because that was a uh, something that most people didn't know about was going on behind the scenes. So, thanks, listeners. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, everybody. Be back again tomorrow.